on this episode of the After the Timeout podcast in partnership with the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association, we welcome Shea Boyle, president of Notre Dame College Prep and former collegiate assistant and high school head coach. We talked to Coach Boyle about marketing your program, selecting the right job for you, looking at athletics as an administrator, and building your resume. As always, thank you for listening to the After the Timeout podcast. All right, so we start every segment with the opening tip. Um, and we wanted to kind of go through your journey, right? Because you've had a lot of different experiences with the business world and then the college coaching, the high school coaching. Now, obviously, the the, the president of Notre Dame High School. So we kind of want to ask you along that journey, kind of what factors went into kind of making, taking that next step and moving on to your next thing? Um and, you know, maybe some of those, you know, why you chose to do that, whether it had been personal, whether it was looking for something else, um, a, a different challenge. And then was it like any place harder to leave than another? Was there something that you're like, oh, man, this is a hard decision? Yeah, well, guys, I appreciate the opportunity here. Great to talk some ball with you. Uh, it's not uh, as forefront of my my current job anymore. So any opportunity I can get to talk hoops is, is awesome. And you guys are doing a great job with your podcast. I'm really glad I found it and keep up the great work, but yeah, my coaching journey has maybe been a little bit more atypical in, in some respects, but um, you know, I'm from Chicago, born and bred. I grew up in Chicago's Northwest side here, our lady of victory, Weber high school graduate. And I went on to the university of Notre Dame and tried to figure out what I was going to do in my life. And uh, I was a double major in business computers and uh, came out of college with uh Great intentions of the business world. I worked for a company downtown called Price Waterhouse Coopers for several years and traveled all over the world uh, doing system consulting, IT work. Um, but something in the back of my mind always kind of called out to me for coaching. And, um, you know, it's, it started as as uh, kind of a, a smaller passion. My cousin was a head coach at Our Lady of Victory Grammar School and said, hey, I, I need an assistant coach. What do you think? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm busy running around the world here, but let me, let me give it a shot. And, you know, just that, that seventh grade experience kind of got me hooked. And uh, from then, you know, just kind of was a interesting progression through, you know, now it was my summers, you know, going to work camps. Um, you know, I was taking my own vacation time to go to Duke and go back to university of Notre Dame. And, you know, I was, I was doing all these things in my free time that kind of led up to uh, me getting an opportunity at Notre Dame high school a long time ago, before I even you know, thought about working in the high schools. I, I met Coach Dennis Alasco. My brothers were both at Notre Dame at the time and said, I, I need a scout. Uh, would you be interested? And I said, you know, Denny, I, I'd love to do it. And uh, you talk about learning the game. Um, you know, I, I'd encourage any young coach. You know, I, I know it's 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 different these days with scouting, but, you know, Dennis Alasco had me meet him at Joliet Catholic pre-GPS days. I could not find the gym. I was all excited on a Friday night. I drove from downtown Chicago to uh, Julia Catholic and I sat with coach and he said, you got the offense. I got the defense and here we go. He gave me a, you know, 30 page packet. And, you know, I watched this guy stencil, uh, every single play from memory. And I, I, I was writing faster than I could imagine. I, and he just, he kind of taught me how to think through the game. And then that's what I did for him. I, I went everywhere all over the, all over the state of Illinois. We had a great team that year back in 0203, I believe it was. And, um, you know, just a little reference. I, I would scout a game. I would find a payphone in the lobby of whatever game I was at, and I would leave him a voicemail at my current number, actually, at Notre Dame, strangely, 
and I would let him know how the game went. And then I'd write up my report that night. And, you know, uh, this become, became a, a passion of mine. We kept winning and winning. And, you know, I just I, I fell in love with the, with the process of scouting and kind of getting those guys prepared. And I was kind of like the Wizard of Oz. Like none of those kids really knew me because I was I was working, traveling. I, I didn't really even go to practices very much. I'd kind of drop the reports and drop my phone calls. And then towards the end of the year, I got a little bit more involved. But uh, I was hooked after that year. I, I knew this is what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, it was not easy uh, to leave a job at PricewaterhouseCoopers to become a college coach. And that's what happened the next year. I, I met Jim Weitzel, who was the head coach at Lewis University. And I went out to Lewis um, kind of on a on a hope and a prayer and coach was very honest with me. And I, I said, you know, if I'm ever going to do this, this is, this is the time to do it. I was younger. I was single. I was, you know, kind of living in a uh, apartment. I could get out of a lease at the time down by Wrigley field. And I said, I got to do it. So I made the jump into full-time coaching 0203 uh, out at Lewis university. And you know, we had two great years out at Lewis. Um, that was just coaching one-on-one every single day, full-time, I was getting my master's degree. I was doing every possible job for the program, and and we we were crushing it. We were we were winning a lot of games, and those two teams that I coached out at Lewis with Jim Weitzel were two of the best I've probably ever been around, and that led us. To, uh, Coach Weitzel got the job at Loyola University. So about 24 years old, 25 years old, that was a Division One assistant coach, and did not see that coming uh, from my days at OLV and scouting for Notre Dame just a few years earlier, and. We had a great four-year run at, at Loyola, and then, um, you know, I, I had to make that decision kind of long-term. You know, the college coaching, you know, you, you're only as good as your record, and, you know, back then, assistant coaches didn't really have contracts, and my wife and I were just thinking about starting a family, and, you know, I, so I had to make the pretty tough decision to, to kind of go the high school route, and um, I had an opportunity to pop up at old Gordon Tech High School, and you know, being a Weber High School grad, I, I knew a lot of the guys at Gordon, and I, I knew the tradition and the, the greatness of their basketball program. So I'd say, guys, you know, it was really hard to transition out of the college world because I, I knew where that that job could have taken me. You know, sometimes I think about it, and you know, there's a lot that you love about college, and there's a lot now that's changed as well. But, uh, you know, going to Gordon Tech was a great four-year experience for me uh, as a head coach. Uh, that was my first head coaching experience. And then, um, you know, we, we found uh, – a lot of different success there at Gordon Tech, and I was really proud to kind of put our stamp on it and kind of get that that thing going again um, because it, it needed a lot of work at the time, and um, you know just had great relationship, great players there, and um, but then kind of my professional side of the house, um, there was an opportunity that had opened at Notre Dame College Prep in Niles, and um, you know they they recruited me pretty hard for this position to become the director of enrollment, so uh, I was able to to leave uh, Gordon Tech after four seasons, four years. And um, now I'm entering my 11th year at Notre Dame and my third year as president of the high school. So um, not, not the route I ever probably had imagined or dreamed of, but I wouldn't change it for anything. And uh, you know, being at the high school level is, is where, where I want to be. And I, I definitely made the right call. And you know, just the, the relationships, the experience has been unbelievable. So uh, a, a great roundabout journey through the coaching ranks. So you hear a lot of stories like this. Well, and that's that's always one of our that's why we kind of ask the question to a lot of our guests, because that's one of our favorite, favorite things, because every coach has a story, right? Every coach has gone about it a different way and been these different places. So we're going to we're going to rearrange here a little bit. You mentioned scouting reports and sitting there taking a, a 30 packet note. And obviously, you know, along the way, you probably changed right some of the things that how you scouted and you found your own way. 
um, in your scouting reports and when you're doing that scouting and looking looking at things, um, you know, what are some of the key things you looked at? And then maybe how did you change your view on scouting reports kind of as you went went through your, your career and and had, you know, conversations with your different mentors and head coaches? Yeah, it's a great question. I, and I'll say, you know, every coach I've worked with and for has been different. Um, and I, I think that's pretty consistent across the, the coaching landscape when it comes to scouting. Um, you know, again, Coach Denny Zelasco, he's probably the most detailed human being I, I'd ever come across in, in my coaching career to this day. And uh, but again, you know, as, as a young coach, I think uh, the temptation is to sometimes uh, cut some corners and you know, maybe not not getting the weeds a little bit in terms of the X's and O's. But if you want to learn the X's and O's of, of basketball, uh, scouting is uh, probably one of the best ways to do it. You know, just the film study, just, you know, back then uh, it was a really big deal to go out and live scout. Um, and we didn't have any any of this technology. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I'm not that old, but I, I sometimes I feel old when I think about the things I had to do, you know, calling on pay phones. And, you know, uh, when I was a college coach at Lewis, we could actually drive uh, to go live scout and we we would drive hours and hours and hours i mean i went to rensselaer indiana through back roads of romeoville countless times to see anybody that came in to play st joe's back in the day that was on our schedule and uh you know i even brought my wife a few times uh against uh, against her, her probably better judgment of she but the only time i were able to see each other when we were dating is to have some scouting trips but um, as I as I got further in my career at, at Loyola University, working with Jim Weitzel and at, at Lewis, I mean, Jim was a guy he wanted to know everything. I mean, he wanted to know every single detail, every call. I mean, I can remember, you know, two, three, four o'clock in the morning sessions with our coaching staff where literally we had our ears up against the old computer screen trying to make out what the other coach was was screaming at audible levels as high as the hotel could go, you know, just any advantage you could get. And so scouting to me became, you know, such an advantage. And I, I think it's all about in the way that you present that information to your players. Uh, it's really important that me as an assistant coach at the time uh, and as a head coach, you know, I wanted to know as much as I could, but you know, players learn differently and there's, there's no way we can expect our players to know what we know going into the game. So I think the, the key to scouting is you have to be creative. You have to be uh, creative enough to you know, give that information that you think your players need to know to take away the strengths of your opponent. But I think the trap of scouting sometimes is everybody puts so much effort on taking things away that you don't think about how are we going to you know hurt our opponent with the information that we have. And we, we have to be aggressive against it as well offensively it's it's great defensively you want to take everybody out but you know, what kind of plan can we put together as a staff to to go after our opponents as well so uh, that was kind of the double-edged uh, side of scouting I really got into that and you know I, I think uh, the the adrenaline of, of kind of seeing things happen as you've you know I always say like an, an actor becomes uh, their character as they prepare to you know being a movie or in a play I think it's the same way as a coach I always try to find myself, you know, kind of thinking about the opposing coach all week. Uh, you know, what is he going to do in this situation? I, I know what they're going to do. When, when my head coach asked me that last time out, what are they going to run? I'm going to be able to tell me, hey, here's two or three things we're, we're, we got to be ready for. And that breeds confidence. And I think with, with my role uh, as an assistant coach, I knew my players would always trust that I would always be ready when it was my, my time to shine as a, as the scout for you know, a particular opponent. And, you know, you, you talk about learning the game of basketball from scouting. You know, one, one of my scouts at, at Loyola University was Butler University. And, you know, that was, you know, Brad Stevens was an assistant. And, you know, you talk about, 
having to figure out one of the most uh, complex, uh, multifaceted offensive systems. You know, my first time I scouted Butler, I had had some plans with my wife. I remember I made, and I, I didn't do that very often during the season. And I, as I dug into the tape, I just called her and I said, listen, we got to cancel the plans. I'm going to be up all night. Like these guys run 10,000 sets and, you know, it's just unbelievable. But scouting Butler for all the years I did, I, you know, I became them. I, you know, we, we had a huge upset of them on ESPN. They were nationally ranked and, you know, just the, uh, the way our, our guys would buy into that information was great. So you got, you got to have that trust. You, you can't weigh your, your players down with scouting either. I think that's, that's a big trap that I think I kind of fell into younger. I want to give them everything, everything. Hey, this is what we're going to do here. And guys will tune you out. But it, when, they, when they know you're giving them what they need to be successful, it's, it's going to help their game and it's going to help us win. I think that's, that's the line every coach needs to find. So I think to build off that, um, you know, we, we've discussed this with a few other guests and Todd and I have, have partnered now with the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association. And we've talked to a couple of people about different things with uh, just the coaching landscape and the profession at all levels. You know, for you, how can we continue to kind of grow the young coaches? Because, you know, I know you're you're not in the game directly, but I'm sure you've seen, you know, the trends of so many coaches are leaving the profession. Last year, Todd and I had a conversation because there was like 30 head coaching openings between boys and girls. So, you know, how do we can continue to grow the profession and, and kind of mentor those young coaches? Yeah, it's it's critical that we, you know, ha- have as much youth in the game as, as possible. Um, you know, I definitely see it in my role as president. And, you know, even when I was a head coach at Gordon Tech or an assistant coach along the way, there's there's a lot of young people out there that, that want to explore the possibility. And I, I think in it, it's not until you kind of put your toe in there that you really understand what coaching is. And I think from the outside, everybody sees the Friday night lights. They, you know, they, they see the big tournaments, they see the, the, the Twitter and everything else, you know, it, it looks magical. Right. And uh, I think it's not until you get behind the scenes and kind of see what really goes into preparing a team for any game, the amount of hours that a, a coach should be spending, you know, scouting, practicing, um, you know, walkthroughs, you know, strength conditioning, extra shooting, you know, all those things. But, um, you know, I, I think that one of the traps, I think in today's game, maybe a little bit more is, you know, especially at the college level, you know, guys, guys are getting higher because who they know, you know, it's not necessarily what they know, you know, they, they can bring a player or they can bring an AAU contact. Uh, they're, they're looked at as, Hey, you know, that's a guy I want to bring in where, you know, I think a lot of staffs have struggled is they may not have guys that, you know, are more proficient sometimes in some of the other areas needed on, on a staff. And I think that's what makes a great staff. You got to have, got to have balance between X's and O's scouting. As we talked about recruiting is, is the lifeblood of any team. So you got to have guys that can bring guys in there, but you know uh, I was fortunate. I mean, I, I think I, I fall in that bucket. You know, I had zero AAU contacts back then. I, I, all I had was a work ethic and a desire to be a college coach because I was good at, at player relationships. You know, I, I could get along with people. I, I listened, I was smart. Um, I understood the game. I played the game, but you know, sometimes guys just got to take chances on uh, young, young people that they see that have that dedication, uh, give them an opportunity to shine. And I certainly was able to do that at Gordon tech. I think the best thing I ever did there is I hired the best staff I ever could have possibly dreamed of, you know, and that was kind of trial by error in a lot of ways. I, I had everybody want to be an assistant coach uh, and I gave some people some chances and, 
you know, they didn't show up or they, you know, they couldn't make it out scouting or they couldn't do the things that we needed to do to be successful. But, um, you know, my advice to the young coaches out there, just keep showing up, you know, any head coach is going to want somebody that's in their foxhole that, Hey, I I'll, I'll coach the sophomore game. And I'm going to stay for the varsity game. I'm going to coach the freshman game. I'll go out scouting for varsity game. I mean, you got to kind of that, that six, seven month life's life cycle of a, a season. You just gotta, you gotta eat, breathe and, and sleep basketball for a, you're a younger coach trying to move up and you know and don't don't be a don't be embarrassed to say hey i i am the freshman b coach that's where you're going to get the best experience you, you got to get some head coaching experience somewhere whether it's aau or high school like that is just unbelievable to to be in a program that has an established head coach that you can just watch from afar and you know have a staff of guys you know especially i'll speak to notre dame college prep staff i mean the the wisdom the talent the you know, just the coaching from top to bottom that we have is, is pretty incredible for a high school program. And, you know, if, if I was a young coach coming in, I, I would just, I, I'd be there all the time, just kind of soaking it in and any opportunity that you can get uh, to get out there and, and network and, and, and do those things as a young coach, that's, that's what needs to be done. And you know, high school is a great way to, to learn the X's and O's because I think a lot of people too fall in the trap. Hey, college coaching is, is very glamorous uh, and it, it can be in certain respects, but, the thing that I found when I switched from college to high school was just the amount of time that I could work with a player in high school was infinitely more than I could uh, with a college player back then. You know, we used to only get, I think, two hours a week to, you know, do player development. And, you know, the whole summer, I, I couldn't even rebound a basketball for a, for a guy that wanted to shoot. They just, you couldn't do things on the floor. Those rules have since changed a little bit now, but, you know, to actually like work with a young man on a, uh, player development that wants to go to be a college player, wants to be a varsity player, like that that's unmatched in high school. That, that's what I would tell a young coach too. You got to, you got to double down on player development and, you know, establish those relationships that trust with the players that, Hey, I'm a guy that's here to make you better. And I'll be there at 6am, 5am, 10pm, whenever you need me to be there, let's, let's get in the gym, let's work out. All right. So I want to build on that a little bit. And you, you talked about some of the skills a coach needs to have, um, we're going to go, I want to go outside the box a little bit, right? You, you're obviously in your president role. You've, you've done the IT, things like that. What are some, I guess, newer 2022 skills that will help teachers uh, and coaches, right? Because a lot of times, you know, they're, they're in the school, they're working on academics, they're, they're doing all these things. You know, like you said, the college level, we have NIL now, we have you know, transport portal. That's, that's a big thing. Um, you know, high school, there's a lot of different things that, are, that have come about. Uh, I feel, especially since, since, since COVID, the, the landscape's changed a little bit as well. So what are some of those outside box skills that you think will help, uh, you know, coaches uh, be successful? Yeah, for sure. And I think the key to any successful coach is you, you got to be committed to being a life, lifelong learner and you, you can't stay set in your ways. I mean, the, the game has changed uh, at, at every level, but, you know, from the college level, you know, I, I have a lot of friends still in the college basketball world. And, you know, so, sometimes I, you know, I kind of smile secretly knowing that, you know, I, I don't have to deal with NIL stuff right now. We, 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 we have our own version of the transfer portal, I guess, in Illinois, but you know, for high school, but nothing like college. I mean, it's just, again, it, it's not been too long since I've been part of that world, but everything has really changed. And uh, I, I think that's cost a lot of people that, that joy of, of coaching the college world for sure. Um, having to worry about kind of restocking the team every single year and the threat of everybody leaving at all times. Um, but in terms of, I think of the high school, you know, some of the skills that I think coaches um, 
that you guys have probably seen is, you know, I, I came from more of a technology background. And I think, you know, for me, that kind of set me apart when I came into the college coaching world, because I was a guy who knew how to turn on the computers. I was a guy who knew how to do the email. I, I could do graphics. I could, you know, I could, I could promote our program back with kind of pre Twitter days. You know, I, I knew how to find information. Um, so I, I think technology has definitely played such a big role in, in coaching. And, and we talked here a little bit about scouting and, you know, how the game has changed. I mean, th those are guys on staff that, that are needed. Um, you know, the, the, the power of huddle, the power of uh, all the systems that every college coach has now to just pull up plays in a, in a second's notice. And the, the time-saving uh, nature of that is just unbelievable. And I, I know staffs have really grown in numbers and size as well. So I think, you know, anything a, a coach can do to stay current on the technology, current trends, uh, all the analytics. I mean, everybody says the word analytics all the time. and Everybody's supposed to know what that means. But, um, I mean, there are just so many tools at, at a coach's disposal now. You have to decide to, to use them, though, too. You, you have to be proficient in them. And I think the, the staffs that, that are able to be a little more tech savvy for a lot of different ways, they, they find a lot more success. Um, saying that, I, I think, you know, social media has been such an important part of any program's promotion. I think, you know, having having social media skills, I think, is definitely an important one. I, I know there's a lot of coaches resistant to getting to that world to kind of self-promote their program. But, you know, that that it's not going away. So I, I think it's a, if you can find a way to have some fun with your program and have some of those tech skills, I, I think people love to, to see coaches on there. And as long as things are handled the right way. And, uh, um, and I, I think, uh, you know, a little bit old school, but, you know, communication skills, that I, I think, you know, you, you mentioned kind of some things that happened after COVID. I mean, our, our guys, uh, our young kids, they're communicating in a lot of different ways. And I think a lot of a lot of kids, they're, they're looking for those relationships again. And I, I think coaches that can establish relationships and have the ability to communicate with their players, with their coaching staff. And uh, one thing I always took a lot of pride in, I, I think is a, gr a great way for coaches to kind of learn their campuses when they, when they take new jobs is you, you got to have the ability to communicate with people all over campus, you know, from administration to academics, to tutors, uh, to maintenance staff, to, you know, the marketing staff, your sports information people. I mean, you want to be that that person that people trust to go to and you, you can bounce into different different meetings and different parties, receptions. And, you know, that's going to kind of build your, your coaching resume up in, in some ways that, you know, have really maybe nothing to do with basketball. But, you know, you're seen as a great communicator on your campus. Um, but I think the coaches that just continue to learn. Um, I think, I think that that's, that's just really important. You, you got to get yourself out there. You got to talk to people, you know, the, the days of going to clinics maybe have changed a little bit as well, but, you know, to me going to a, a, a basketball clinic was the best way I could meet people. Um, I coached a lot of college camps, as I said, and, and I think it's what you do with that information. Like, you know, you got to bring things back to your head coach, you know, when you're out there meeting with people, you know, it might be one or two ideas, but that ability to communicate back, uh, to retain information, make your program better, I think is uh, just s such an important part to, to being a value member on any staff. So you you actually let in and, and Todd and I were just kind of talking about, um, especially with you, we wanted to hit on just different things with marketing and um, and networking and those things. So let's let's start first with the hiring process. So, uh, you know, you're a coach, you're looking for a new position. Um, I think a lot of times, especially young coaches, you know, they're just happy for that first, that first head coaching job and they'll, they'll kind of take any job, but 
um, you know, even for that new coach, that experienced coach, you're looking for a new position. What are the kinds of things that a coach should be asking when they're looking for that new position to determine not only is it a right fit for the school, but if is it a right fit for them? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think um, as I reflected a little bit about my journey through coaching, I, I think that that is an area that I, I probably I. You know, I, I jumped into probably almost every job I had. I, I jumped in very quickly and I, I did not do the analysis that uh, I, I probably should have in a, in a couple of different stops, but I was just so excited to coach and I was just so excited to have somebody say, Hey, we'd love to have you. I'm like, all right, well, let's go. We're going to, we're going to make the big time where, where we're at. And uh, I, I think it, for me now, kind of looking back in, in my, my current role, what, what I would advise people to kind of look at is, you know, you got to make sure you're going to a situation where you're going to have the support of the administration. And that's got to be top to bottom. If you're looking at a head coaching position out there, you need to make sure you're, you're going into a school situation. I'll speak as a high school coach, but um, that administration support, your athletic director support, your principal support, you know, booster athletic club support, uh, faculty, staff, you know, you, you got to make sure that people want you to be there and they want you to be successful because if, if you're, if you're fighting against your own school to be successful, you, you're going to be miserable. And it's just, it's, it's going to show right away. Um, so I, I think the coaches that can find that level of support, you know, they, they enjoy being there. They, they enjoy putting in that work because it, it is an inordinate amount of hours that a coach is going to put in. Uh, I know, I know what we pay coaches for, and I know that is just a fraction uh, a mini fraction of, of the actual time and effort that goes into being a successful high school or college coach. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that go into it, but at the top, that's gotta be the support level. You know, uh, what, what type of staff are they going to allow you to hire? I think for any head coach, the most important decision they have to make and they will make is the staff that they surround themselves with. And sometimes uh, I know schools will say, Hey, here's your staff. These guys are already here. They're not leaving. Um, you know, that's up to you to get to get along with them. Uh, when I went to Gordon Tech, there was uh, basically zero staff left. I had to rehire a couple guys, which I got very lucky for. But, you know, I had to go out and hire every single possible staff level member at, at every level of basketball. And, you know, as, as I look back to starting at Gordon Tech, you know, we didn't even have enough players for a sophomore team. And those are probably some of the things I should have researched a little bit more. I was just I was in a, in a, a place of transition and then I, I knew that, you know, there was things that I was going to have to change, but uh, you, I guess you're always maybe a little more surprised than uh, you, you should be when you take, take a new job. But, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, is it a good fit with your personality? You know, are you a public school guy? Are you a, a private school guy? I mean, those are, those are definitely a lot of differences as well. You know, what type of control you're going to have for summer camps, feeder teams, running tournaments, you know, all those type of things that you want to do to, to build your program and, you know, um, what, you know, how, how your budgets look, are they going to allow you to spend money to, you know, get new uniforms, to get the supplies that you need, to get a new shooting machine, to, to get all the things that you want to, uh, to build for, for your program. Every coach wants to give their, their players the best. And I think when you have that understanding with the administration that, Hey, uh, these are things I want to get done. I think it's, it's definitely best to get it all out there earlier and, you know, alumni support, donor support, all those things that are, are going to come into play um, you know, as you take over your own program for sure. And, and I'd say the other thing I think it's, it's important internally is to kind of get a good understanding of, um, 
you know, what, what is the school's perspective on multi-sport athletes? You know, the, our school is good about sharing uh, athletes across sports. You know, do coaches work together or, you know, are we working in silos where if a guy plays this sport, he's, he's untouchable. He's, he's not coming out for basketball. He's, you know, he can't do baseball. He can't, you know, those are things you want to understand too, as you, as you look around, uh, around the school at, at kind of what, what your talent could be. Um, you know, I, th I think, you know, I've been very fortunate to work with, uh, most most head coaches that have been great about sharing, you know, talent and uh, athlete, student athletes and kind of working with schedules across summers and falls and everything, you know, in terms of basketball. But I think those are all really big questions. You got to got to research a little bit more than I certainly did when I uh, when I became a head coach. All right. So let's let's build on that a little bit. The the networking and making connections. Right. You mentioned earlier that a lot of times now it's it's maybe not what you know or who you know, trying to get your foot in the door. Um, you know, people that are in the education education and coaching world know that a lot of times there's dozens, if not hundreds of applicants, maybe for a teaching position or a, a coaching position, whatever it may be. Um, so I guess some 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 tips, some things you've done, um, you know, to, to be more effective, making making those connections, networking, not only to help you build basketball knowledge, right, but – you know, you know, we talked about young coaches. You're a young coach, maybe looking to move your way up and eventually be a head coach or or looking for that position. Uh, how how can they go about coaches go about that to be to be effective and, and keep those connections and, and network? Yeah, I, it's such an important part of, of coaching. And you know, coaching is a fraternity. It's uh, you know, it's 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 a brotherhood. It's a sisterhood. There's there's no question. And I I think what I've learned. You know, it, it is a it's a big circle. I mean, you never know when you're going to cross paths with another coach that you met. And uh, you know, we, we referenced scouting a couple of times already. But, you know, I would say some of the best scouting reports I've ever been able to put together was because of uh, other coaches that, that I had befriended or gotten to know or work with a little bit that that trusted me enough to say, hey, give me a call. Let, let's let's break it down. Let's talk through it. Uh, and I, I've learned so much from other coaches that may, might have been in a conference or might have known a, a state playoff opponent a lot better than we did that just took hours out of their time. You know, I remember, you know, I had met a, a coach along the way and he knew a, a friend of his friend lived out in Plano. And I remember leaving Gordon Tech in the morning, driving to Plano High School to pick up tapes back then. And that, you know, that, that never would have happened uh, unless I had not followed up with a guy that I had met at a coaching clinic. and. One thing led to another, and you know, here I am in the middle of Plano, uh, Illinois, and picking up tapes uh, from a guy I, I literally had never seen before. And you know, those tapes were were critical to us, kind of you know, winning uh, some big state playoff games at Gordon Tech for us. So uh, I, I think it's you know, like I said, it's important to get yourself out there, um, but it's it's almost more important you know after you meet somebody, it's the follow up. And what type of follow up? It, it's just a simple thing, you know. I. I, I still hear from a lot of coaches and I, I'm not even in that, that, that world of college basketball as much anymore, but you know, some of my best friends in, on the planet are college basketball coaches and they'll just check in every so often. Hey, how's your team's doing? How's the school going? You know, it might be two, three times a semester. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be long. Everybody's busy, but just to know you're thinking about people or, you know, I see a lot of my coaching buddies have, have good wins, you know, I, it's a quick text at 11 o'clock at night. Hey man, saw the score. That's, that's unbelievable. Great job. Keep it rolling. Um, I think it, as you build your, your relationships in this, this coaching fraternity, it, it, it's always going to pay off. Uh, and you never know how, 
And I, I'd say on the flip side as well, too, we're all very competitive people. We all want to win. And you know, sometimes you, you know, you have, you have rivals, you have opponents, but you know, you just gotta, you gotta draw the line because you know, like you said, it, sometimes temptation may take you to say the wrong thing or act out in a wrong way against a, a coach or, you know, accuse somebody of something, but you know, the world is too small in Chicago basketball. Everybody knows somebody, you know, and I, I think people are always surprised with people that I know from my high school days or, you know, my, my college days, whatever. And, uh, but that the, I think the most successful coaches are the ones that, you know, you could talk to anybody about them. And they're always saying, Hey man, that guy is just a, he's a great person. You know, he's just, he's always willing to share. Um, you know, I don't even know him. He helped me out one time. So I, I think if you think of it, just being a really good person and you know, staying in touch with people and being grateful for when people do help you. Um, I think that that's awesome because, you know, I'll, I'll t tell us anybody that some of the best coaching anywhere in this country lives right here in Chicagoland area. I mean, you could take the top men's and women's coaches in, in our state and you could staff division one programs all over the country with our high school coaches. I have no, no doubt about that. The X's and O's, the relationships, the strategies, the, the changing landscape, what I see out here in Chicagoland basketball, the college and, and high school level, we are blessed to live in the area with some of the greatest coaches you'll ever find. So, um, but you got to go out and meet those people and watch them and, and kind of learn from them. So take advantage of opportunities. You, you get to meet coaches and, and, and stay in touch. I think it's the biggest thing for me. So one thing that, that is a big patch in mind is marketing my own program. Um, so for you, you know, in a 2022 world, obviously social media, I'm sure you're going to discuss in this answer, but, what are some ways high school programs, boys, girls, whoever, can better sell themselves in 2022? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Coach. And I, I think, uh, yeah, it, it is difficult sometimes to promote your own program. I, I know that, that that comes up a lot with with coaches, but you know, I think if you if you look at it as you know, just you're, you're trying to try to have some fun with it. I think on the social media side, I mean, um, you know, if if you're not doing anything to promote your program people will notice that as well. I, I think, he, you know, whether or not you have time to do it as a head coach, there's certainly a young staff member somewhere that would love to be responsible to run a Twitter account or a Instagram page, just to kind of give the outside world a glimpse into what, what is resurrection basketball? What is Benedictine basketball? What is Notre Dame basketball all about? Um, that's where you kind of see the, the, the fun, fun side of it too. You know, I, I always love following coaches out there that are showing pictures of, you know, different things you might not see, or, you know, maybe there's a video of a pregame walkthrough or a pregame meal or a celebration in the locker room after a big win or film sessions, you know, that, that kind of gives uh, parents and uh, maybe future uh, student athletes a glimpse into what your program is all about. And, and if, if you're not selling your program, somebody else is selling their program, believe me. And I think that's, that's an important part of it. You, you, you want to be kind of the, yeah, I kind of, I think of myself a little bit at work with my new job as president, I, you know, it's kind of like a symphony orchestra conductor, you know, there's so many different things I'm, I'm conducting all day and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, not forget about things and because, you know, once you forget about one thing, you know, things may go off the, the, the racks a little bit, but I think as the head coach, ultimately, you need to build the program in your image, you need to put that out there a little bit so people can really understand what what is the, the foundation of your program? Why would it, why would a young man or a young woman want to play uh, in my program? Let's give them a little glimpse. It's not just, not just the wins and losses. I mean, everybody wants to put the wins out there. I get that, but 
you know, it's, it's, it's the summer, it's the volunteer work. It's, it's everything that it's your Christmas party. It's everything that you guys do as, as coaches, you know, let's give people a glimpse into it. It's, it's a great way to, you know, and I think for your players, they want to see that as well. I mean, they, they, uh, a lot of your best players, they want to be college players and anything you can do. I, I think it's our responsibility as coaches, you know, certainly it's something I've taken very seriously. We've been very fortunate everywhere I've been to, to have a lot of guys go play college ball uh, out of the high school world. But you know, our job, we, we want to promote our own players too. Uh, they chose to give their four years to play for you and your program. I think it's on, on us as coaches to do everything we can to make sure they have the best possible experience. And when we can promote our own own student athletes, let, let's do it. Let's give them a support boost out there. Let's, let's help them through their social media navigation, um, both good and bad. I think we spent a lot of time at Notre Dame just making sure that guys understand how to represent themselves on their own social media, because I know as a college coach, the perspective I can bring is, you know, if, if I see something I don't like in one of our guys, social media, I'm going to tell them right away because that, that can turn off any college recruiter in, in a millisecond. So um, I'd be proud of your program, support it, have fun with it. I, I think that's, that that's what it's all about. You know, show people, you know, if somebody was to just log on to your Twitter account once, you know, what would their takeaway be from your program? You know, what, what would they think about sending their son or daughter there? You know, they may not know you at all, but that's going to be the, the, the front, the front steps, I guess, into your program is your social media account there. All right. So let's go uh, our halftime adjustments. We're going to get a little basketball ball strategy related. Um, I wanted to circle back. You, you mentioned, uh, something that I, I really like in, in scouting, you know, you said we're always trying to take something away, right? But what can we do on our own to take advantage of, you know, what we do well and, and, and our players. Um, so when you were, you were looking at those things, right. Um, was it more, you know, team strategy related individual people tendencies that you could take advantage of something, you know, on your own team's end, as opposed to taking away something from somebody else, um, how did you kind of, you know, pick out those details to where something that you guys do as a team could take advantage and, and be successful in any individual game? Yeah, I, I think it, it starts with the, uh, some of the individual tendencies that we would, we would pick up on. And, you know, I, this is a blanket statement for sure, but, you know, in, in, in the high school world, I mean, in many, the opponents that we would prepare for, I mean, it's usually one or two guys that are doing most of the scoring you know, at the high school world, you don't usually see uh, a lot of high school teams have three, four kind of go-to options offensively. So if we knew obviously who our top one or two scorers are on the other team, you know, we, we knew how we, we could take some things away from them. But again, on the, on the flip side, we knew offensively, all right, when we get certain matchups or, you know, when some of their weaker defenders are going to match up with some of our guys, like this is what we're going to go to right away. You know, this is the backdoor special that's going to happen right away. This is the out of bounds play. We're going to line up in a certain way to to get that that one guy in our, our matchup that we like. So, um, you know, part of that is you have to have a team that kind of understands that a little bit when we talk about scouting. You know, um, but we we want to definitely find some individual characteristics of things that we might be able to take advantage of. Uh, you know, from from our opponents in terms of a. Hey, if we if we get this matchup in a ball screen, if, if we if we see them do this coverage, like it's over. This is what we're going to right away. So you know, we, we it was not always a fail proof system, but 
Um, some of those things, it, it helped us. You know, we knew who we could pressure full court. You know, if, if they had a backup come in, that was not a great ball handler. Like we knew we were going, you know, to a more of a full court trapping type of defense right away or, you know, things like that, that, you know, as the coaching staff, like we, we knew all these things. We couldn't give the players all that information. It's just too much to absorb. But, um, you know, we started at the individual and then certainly on, on the team, team perspective. I mean, you know, in, in high school, again, I, I talked to the unbelievable, you know, coaches that we have in this area every night, you're not just going to see a half court man to man offense, half court man to man defense. I mean, you have to prepare for every possible scenario. And, you know, you may only have seen a, a team run a box and one or a triangle and two, one or two times, but you know, it's in their back pocket. You know, you, you know, you, Hey, if, if they do this, we need to be ready to, to go here. Um, and that that's against any team, maybe not necessarily just individual uh, matchups, but, you know, you, you, every coach is a long laundry list of things they want to be prepared for. And, you know, certain things come out, and I, I think, in scouting that you, you think you can take advantage of. And, you know, I, I, as I think, you know, back to our team at Notre Dame, you know, right before COVID hit, uh, you know, we were 29 and five and we were just, you know, rolling people. And, you know, we were a little bit different. We had three of the best players in school history and, you know, an unbelievable starting probably six, seven, eight guys. And, you know, it really didn't matter uh, as much when we, when we had talent like that because we we saw everything every night. You know, we saw triangle and twos, box and ones, you know, full court, one, three, ones, you know, it, but our guys, uh, they were good enough. They they put the time and effort in enough to it didn't rattle us because um, we knew we had prepared more than than our opponent. We, we knew what we were going to see. Whatever they threw at us, we, we would be ready to react. So I think, uh, you know, with your team, you know, it can't, it can't be a freak out on the sideline. It can't be a freak out with your players that they're seeing something maybe you didn't prepare for as well. Um, that's kind of the, the cycle of the basketball season. At some point in the year, you're going to see most things. You just got to be ready. Well, to I, I even look at little things like that. I've been talking, I talked with John about this. I talked with other coaches, like at least at the high school level, even at the college level, how many teams consistently entered to the right side, right? Both players are right-handed. They enter to the right. So by just a simple thing of, hey, we're going to just force them to enter to the left, it kind of jumbles teams up at times, right? Like they don't they don't necessarily run. I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't done the research on it. I'm probably not smart enough to do the study on it. But I would bet even in practice, right, you you look at teams and the girl or the guy is going to enter to the right. And, you know, just throwing that kind of stuff up, you know, to me kind of goofs up the the flow of it a little bit. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I think we we saw that a couple of years ago when I was uh, newer at at Notre Dame. Uh, we were at a Christmas tournament, and every time we brought the ball on the right side of the court, our first pass to enter, they trap us right away. And it it became like, you know, every single possession became a scramble because we couldn't get into what we wanted to do. So guess what we decided to do? Well, if it's breaking us down like this, you know, we're going to start doing the same thing to opponents. And we, that kind of became a staple of our program to, you know, um, like I said, you know, you, you got one or two guys that are going to handle the ball for the most part on, on most teams, you know, you, you take them out on that first touch, you know, there's a quick double, you know, you might've spent all week walking through your sets, but <coughs> excuse me, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore, but we, we just took them away. So I think that that is a great point coach. All right, so I wanted to kind of go back to your your time as an assistant coach, whether it was high school, college, and then you know even your point of view as as a head coach, right? 
um, for assistants kind of carving out their role, right? Um, you know, for me, I know I kind of, you know, kind of like you carved out my role as scouting, right? When I was a freshman B coach, a freshman A coach, sophomore, um, helping out the head coach that way. So, you know, how do coaches kind of go about carving out their role with, you know, I think it's important to use what you're good at right then, right? And you're obviously learning to be a better coach along the way. And then presenting your ideas to your head coach, right? Um, I, you know, I think it's a little bit easier today with the technology, as you mentioned, right? You can have film to back it up. You can have, I mean, even in high school, you can have pretty much any number you want, right? Um, but how did, how did you go about that? Or how do you think, you know, assistant coaches should one carve out that role and then present their ideas to the head coach? Yeah, I think it's a critical thing for for assistant coaches to, you know, obviously head coaches know that a lot of young assistant coaches, but they're not supposed to know everything. They don't know everything yet. But as an assistant coach, I, I think you got to gotta start with what you're good at and kind of build from there. And, you know, for me, and when I jumped into the college world, um, you know, I didn't have a, a ton of experience as a coach, at, you know, sitting on a bench. But um, what I had to kind of figure out and what I did figure out was, you know, player development is something that every head coach needs from assist, assistant coaches and uh, player development is a multifaceted thing. It's obviously yeah, taking guys on the court and be able to put them through a high level workout to get them better. But it's just the, the player relationships. I think that's, that's where an assistant coach is invaluable to a head coach. Cause you know, the, the real relationships on a, on a team have to, you know, they're going to start with the assistant coaches players are going to talk to the assistants a lot more than they will the head coach. That's just the reality. So, you know, you are always representing your head coach and everything that you do. And I think uh, loyalty is, is uh, probably the biggest thing I would tell any assistant coach. You are there to, to make your head coach better. You're there to help your head coach uh, be successful. And, you know, you're hopefully going to have a great relationship with your head coach that your head coach is going to take your development personally by giving you opportunities that, that you will earn. But um, you know, again, you know, player development, I think that that was a, a big thing for me. And uh, my, my background is a little bit more probably untraditional for a lot of coaches, you know, because I came in with a business degree and some computer skills that um, I was fortunate that you know, I didn't know how they translate, but they were really important in a small division two school at Lewis at the time. You know, I basically took over the marketing of the program you know, as a graduate assistant coach there. Um, I, I ran all the academics. I, I ran study halls. You know, I, I had tutoring sessions, you know, I did a lot of things as a, as a basketball coach that had nothing to do with the ball. Um, it was a lot of behind the scenes things. Again, I mentioned the relationships on campus. Like you know, I, I was a guy that could call the mail room and get something done within five seconds that other coaches were like, how'd you do that? I'm like, well, I, you know, I had lunch with a guy the other day and you know, he's, he's my buddy. Like we're here on campus all the time together. And you know, those, those type of things, I didn't know that would be such a critical role, but you know, running the marketing of the program back then, you know, we had, a we had a midnight madness. We had a lot of cool things at the time that were kind of newer that uh, my boss, Jim Weitzel said, Shay, you're running with these things. You know, he didn't want to know about it. He just said, work in the background and basically get the things done. So yeah, I, I was, I was always swimming, man. I, I was trying to figure things out on the fly uh, because I had come out of a computer consulting background. A lot of this was, was new to me, but you know, through some trial and error, we got it done. And then, I think as I kind of figured some of those things out with the technology and, you know, I, I think the reason I, I had job security is because when we went to a hotel on a road trip back then, we used to leave on Wednesdays. We get back at Saturdays at like midnight. They were long trips. We, we were packing everything. We were packing VCRs. We were packing you know, hundreds of wires and cables and 
you know, screwdrivers to try and Jimmy hotel uh, TV so we could use them. I mean, we, we didn't have anything. We had, we, I mean, we, we didn't have a laptop computer back then. So uh, my role is as soon as we walked into a hotel, like, you know, I had three managers and myself trying to you know, get our head coach's TV set up so he could watch double decker you know, VCR tape. And because I could do that, I was invaluable to, to our staff. Um, and if I couldn't figure it out, we had maintenance up there, we, we were getting it done. So I, I think trying to fi find your roles to make your, your head coach and your, your, your team successful, and then you build on that. So from all these things, you know, then I got into scouting. I was able to get those opportunities and matchups and, uh, you know, film study and, and that, that, you know, through, through those film studies and driving around the, the Midwest, watching all these games, you know, my education in basketball, it was like getting an MBA every single day. I, I was a coach in college. I couldn't believe this is all we did all day long. Basketball, morning, noon, night. And I lived on campus at Lewis back then. I mean, coaches would go home and their families. I would stay. I mean, I lived there. So I, I you know, it just it became a 24-7 thing. So when, when something was needed in the middle of the night, I got the call. When a guy wanted to shoot around at 6 in the morning, I got the call. I just – you know, I think the, the more you show up, the luckier you get. A lot of people say, and I, I think that's a good motto for, uh, for, for young assistant coaches. If you're there, you're going to get lucky. You're, you're going to coach is going to pull you in and say, Hey, come out here. I got an idea. Let's go out on the floor and let's walk through some things. And I, I think that's, uh, that, that was a great thing that coach Weitzel always did. And if I was, if I was brave enough and felt strong enough that I had a, a good idea for something offensively or defensively, He'd always say, hey, guys, let's go out to the floor. And we, we'd go out there and it'd be four or five of us just, you know, kind of jogging, walking through plays and, and ideas. And you had to be able to back it up. But uh, I think as you, as you as you built your confidence and you, you had uh, you had that trust uh, that develops, I mean, that, that's what you're looking for as an assistant coach. You, know, you, you don't want to, you know, just be, be the quiet guy on the staff. If you feel strongly about something, you have conviction about something, you know, bring it up. That's, that's where the best ideas are, are, are laid. And, you know, I, I was very fortunate when I worked at Loyola University uh, to work with some of the most unbelievable guys. You know, as I look back, uh, you know, one of our first staffs was a guy named Mark Lovelace, who was an offensive guru who could, he could design plays in his sleep. And then, you know, I worked with Pat Baldwin, who, you know, was head coach of University of uh, Wisconsin-Milwaukee, one of the Northwestern's all-time greatest defensive players. You want to learn defense? You talked to Pat Baldwin. Pat Baldwin was our best player in our program as an assistant coach uh, when we took over. He would dominate our practices. And I, I, I learned more from watching Pat practice against our highly, you know, skilled Division One guys than I probably did in any other way. And then, you know, uh, one of my dear friends, Howard Moore, was just, you know, you talk about the life of the party. Anywhere I went with Howard Moore in the city of Chicago, he would introduce me. Everybody knew Howard Moore. Uh, and, and that's kind of how I, I – I kind of was very fortunate to to surround myself with other great assistant coaches that that took me under their wings as well. And I think that that's part of it. You you have to have an unbelievable chemistry and network as a group of assistants because a lot of the work that you're gonna do as assistant coaches is behind the scenes together, maybe even without your head coach. But you got to be on the same page. You got to support each other. You got to be there for each other um, to make sure your your head coach is is ready to go with the game plan and. Uh, again, your job is to make sure your, your program wins and your job is to represent your head coach uh, 24 seven. So um, that's just, as, I guess, some of the advice I, I'd have for young assistant coaches, you know, trying to trying to make their mark and trying to find how they can provide value uh, to their program.
So as we go into the last couple of questions, actually, you you had kind of touched on this when you were talking about the hiring process for looking for jobs. But, you know, now in that administrative role as a president of a school, you know, looking at your athletic programs, you know, for you, what do you want out of your athletic programs? Um, and then, you know, as an admin, what are things you look to do to serve your coaches? Because as, as we always say, and, and I'm sure you would agree, you know, the greatest leaders are the people that serve um, the people they work with. Yeah, that, that's a great, great point, Coach. And I, I think, especially kind of coming out of the COVID years, yeah, I, I don't hesitate to use the word hero for our, our teachers, our staff, and our coaches. And I've said that to anybody that'll listen to me. Um, you know, I, I can speak for Notre Dame College Prep. The work that our coaches did during that time was was heroic in so many ways. I mean, they they were there for the kids uh, when when the students needed them. Um, they didn't run from from things. They were still in the gym. They were still on our fields. They were still in the weight room, uh, even putting their, their own health at, at risk at times, I'm sure. Um, you know, with all the questions that we had, as, as I think back, it, it was a hard time for, for a lot of us as coaches. Um, you know, obviously there was a lot of disappointment that we couldn't have state playoffs. And especially at Notre Dame, we were on the cusp of state championship run and a lot of different sports, not just basketball. Um, but it, I think it was our coaches and their attitudes that kind of kept the ship afloat across all schools. And I, I hope uh, I hope that gratefulness comes across from administrations to to all coaches. And if it's not from somebody else's school, I'll say it again that, you know, the coaches were there for these young men and young women when uh, a lot of people weren't. And I, I think, uh, you know, it's again, it's coaches is not all about wins and losses all the time, but the, the way that coaches stepped up to be there you know, for the mental health of our students, the physical well-being of our students, they needed those outlets. They needed those Zooms. They needed all the things that coaches were creatively uh, putting into place. Like, you know, that's something that will always stick with me. The, the work that I saw during that time was some of the best work I've ever seen uh, from so many coaches because they, they stepped up uh, when, when they needed them uh, for, for sure. Um, I, I got off track there, Coach. Put me back on track a little bit on this question. No, no. So I, I was just saying, you know, as as the president now, you kind of oversee everything. So, you know, what are how do you define success in your athletic programs? You know, obviously, as the head coach, you know, we're looking for certain things, you know, relationships with kids, wins and losses, things like that. But, you know, as the president overseeing kind of the whole school, what are you looking for? Not just basketball, all your athletic department. Yeah, no, thanks for uh, thanks thanks for putting me back on that track there. But you know, I think where I was going with that is, you know, I, I think, you know, athletics plays such an important role to the success of any high school. I mean, it's what builds the school spirit, builds pride in the community. It, you know, builds enrollment. It, it's great for fundraising. I speak from the, the private school angle here a little bit. Um, you know, that that's 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 where so, so much excitement happens and. I am fortunate and I hope this comes across to my coaches that I do come from an athletic background that it might be rare for a lot of high school or college presidents. There's certainly people I've worked for that had no idea, you know, what sports were necessarily all about. They had other strengths and they're you know, high academic guys or, or, or women for sure. But I think I can bring that perspective, but, you know, for me, like, you know, hiring, you know, our, our coaching staff is, is critical. You know, you, the only way your athletic program is going to be successful is you can hire trustworthy, high character coaches that you can trust, uh, you know, to be with your student athletes, to, to be successful, to, you know, to represent your school in the, in the way that you want your school represented. Uh, 
you know, they got to take care of your students mentally, physically, as emotionally, as I talked about. Um, but our coaches have a, a tremendous responsibility. I know all that comes with a, a coach's job. Um, you know, it's multifaceted, but I also want to make sure that coaches know at, at Notre Dame, for, for example, is you know, I want this to be a destination that they, they can be successful at. I know it's, we talk about the players, players, players all the time, but I want coaches to find that satisfaction. I mean, they've dedicated their life to be great teachers, be great counselors. I want them to find that satisfaction at Notre Dame. And I think in my role as president, I think the things that I try to do and the things that, that I can do is, is just, you know, to work with our athletic director, work with our head coaches, you know, to make sure that we have every possible resource that they need to be successful. I want them to know that if there's something that they are, they need or their program needs, like, just let me know. That's, that's what I'm here for. I can't promise everything, but we're going to do everything we can to have the best technology. We're going to have the best facilities. We're going to keep, keep building. You know, we put a ton of money into our baseball field the last couple months here. We're, we're renovating that. We're putting a brand new athletic turf field out, uh, you know, at our outside stadium for soccer, lacrosse and football at Notre Dame next, next spring. I mean, we, we, we got to keep looking forward and that's part of my job. I got to drive the, the long-term vision, but on the short-term uh, vision, I want our coaches to know that, you know, I'm going to be at the games. You know, I think that's one of the best things I can do. You know, I, it kills me sometimes I can't be on the sideline coaching anymore, but, you know, I want to be there to, you know, to help, you know, whether it's a, a sport I'm very proficient in or maybe it's a sport I don't know as well, but at least it's, those coaches know, hey, what you see, coach, or what you think. You know, I'm happy to lend my advice. I've had a lot of coaches say, can you come and speak to our team? Um, about X, Y, or Z. I'm, yeah, I'm happy to do an athletes and to be a, a resource for every single coach at our school. And, you know, that, that goes for coaches that I've, I've worked with at other schools you know, in, in the past as well. I, I, I think it's a, a great sign at, at Notre Dame in particular that we have nine alums that are head coaches. Uh, you don't find that very often. And we probably have 40 plus assistant coaches across all our programs that are alumni as well. When we have our opening uh, coaches meeting at the beginning of the year Guys introduce themselves. They'll say, you know, what class they are. I mean, it, it's uncanny how many guys have come back to give back to their, their alma mater as head coaches and assistant coaches. And to me, that gives a, a huge level of confidence. I know we're doing the right things when guys come back. When you see staffs that have alums back on them, you know they had great experiences and they want to give back to the next generation of students. And uh, I think that's a, that's a huge advantage. Um, and I, again, I, I kind of came up uh, through the enrollment world, um, you know, so I've seen I've seen how high schools work from from the ground floor. I, I know all the different crossover. And I, I think as, as president, I I can kind of link uh, some you know, when there are challenges across different sports or there are facility challenges or you know, sharing student athletes across different sports. You know, I've been through a lot of those situations. So anytime I can I can help advise and, and be there for our guys, I, I try and do that. But I want to keep it fun. I want to win and I want to be competitive. And I, I you know, that that's what Notre Dame's all about. I mean, we have very hardworking young men that that want to be great. They want to go play college sports. I mean, we're we're averaging about 25 guys a year to go play a college sport. Like that doesn't happen in most places. That's an unbelievable number, but that only happens because of the total landscape of our athletic department. You know, we, we've built an athletic department that's, that's built to succeed. We have great people that run it. We have great people that support it and uh, the coaches they're, they're driving it. So I, I couldn't be more grateful for our, our coaches at Notre Dame. All right, we want to transition here to our last two segments. First one's 30-second timeout. You're down your dance floor. 
something that's important to you. It could be family. You, you, what's your guy going on at the school? Um, uh, something you're passionate about. You want your listeners to know more about uh, any topic you want to, you want to discuss. Uh, it's all you. All right. Quick 30 seconds. I, I, I was kind of thinking about this and a guy asked me the other day about some of our alumni players and it kind of got me thinking. And I, I said, you know what? It is a pretty incredible story to tell at, at Notre Dame. Um, you know, I stay in touch with, with most of our former players and the basketball side. But you know, as I think back to what, what's happened, uh, we're, we're on the cusp of something really special at Notre Dame. We, we currently stand at 999 career wins for our school. Um, you know, through some great reporting by my buddy Dion at Journal and Topics, uh, we, we pieced a lot of things together. And I started thinking more about the history of our program and, you know, uh, the, the, the names and and, and of players that have come through this program, they get to 999 wins. So that's something we're going to be celebrating very soon. Our thousandth win as a school, um, a lot of history back, you know, to the days of, of Jim Les, obviously NBA player and, you know, guys that I've been fortunate to be around since, since I've, I've been there with Rodney Pryor to Georgetown and going to NBA and the G league and Matt Mooney at Texas tech and the, you know, NBA, NBA and overseas and, Joe Mooney and Jamara Wilson and Anthony Devonzo, Lucas Simon, um, you know, Matt Stritzel, all the guys, you know, recently Anthony Sales, Louis Lesman, Troy D'Amico, all these guys, Jason Bergstrom, that have gone on to play college basketball. Um, it's an incredible story to tell. And I'm, a, I'm big on basketball history. And as I kind of dove into this last couple of weeks, it's uh, been a really cool kind of memory lane to go down the path of, man, I, I've been a part of a lot of those wins the last uh, 11 years, but uh the history is just incredible. And it's something I'd encourage any, any high school to don't forget your history. Um, your former players highlight them, you know, bring back some of those great teams. Uh, don't, don't let that history sit. There's, there's great stories to tell. And uh, it's a great way to kind of reconnect with your alumni. All right. So now uh, as Todd, sometimes will joke the wheel, sometimes the wheels stay on the car during this segment, sometimes they fall off, but that's all right. Um, so this is quick hitters. This is just fun questions, sometimes basketball related, sometimes not. Um, so the first one we got for you is uh, your favorite family holiday tradition. Yeah, well, my favorite family holiday tradition is going to start here in about an hour, Coach. Uh, we take the family. We go down to the Museum of Science and Industry. We go to uh, see the trees around the world. Uh, we, we take a fun day there to just kind of be together as a, a family of five. I have three uh, younger kids, my wife and I. So we'll be downtown Chicago for a day of uh, Christmas cheer. And we'll go to our favorite restaurant, uh, Tuscany, uh, down in the Little Italy area. And uh, I, I don't know how that kind of became our, our thing, but it's become, became our official family Christmas kickoff. So uh, we'll be there uh, today enjoying a, a, a rare Sunday of uh, kind of inactivity on the, on the basketball and the sports side and my, with my own children today. So we'll do that. And, then, you know, next couple of weeks, just a lot of family time uh, uh, around the holidays. And, uh, you know, I, it's a great time as well as a high school coach and administrator. That's when you see a lot of your former players come back. And uh, it's always a great thing for me. I, I love the Christmas tournaments, man. I, I, I can't get enough of uh, the high school hoops tournaments, even if my team's not in the race, man. I, I could sit there for eight hours and just, just watch ball. It's, it's fantastic. All right. Uh, best Christmas gift you got as a kid, like your, your favorite. You're like, oh, this is, this is the goods. Yeah, well, that's that's a e easy uh, easy memory for me. I, I got the Hulkamania Hulk Hogan workout set oh, when uh, we got eight or nine years old. So, so, 
chant on in the morning you're ready to go that's awesome all right so we got get the vitamins with it too those are on the side they did did not come with the package but the the flintstone vitamins were uh part of it i feel like this is the third wrestling reference todd that we've had in the last three episodes yeah yeah we're we're on a wrestling kick we are oh let's go let's be your next uh secret podcast (laughs) um all right so we got your Holiday tournament memory. Coach, you broke up there. Say it one more time. Got that. We got your favorite holiday tournament memory. Uh, favorite holiday tournament memory. I, I'll, I'll give you two. Um, in terms of individual performances, uh, we had a young man named Joe Mooney who uh, was one of the best guards in Notre Dame history. And I'll never forget out at the Wheeling tournament, uh, something was going on with, with, with Joe. I could tell in warmups, he was just so laser focused in and, he went out and dropped 36 of our, I think, 46 points that they, I think we played prospect and uh, it's probably the best one, one game performance I had ever seen in a tournament setting. Uh, just lasering, you know, three point shots from everywhere. I mean, it just, it was unbelievable performance. And in terms of, you know, just uh, tournament memories, you know, I referenced that our great team we had in 1920, um, probably the most high level, uh, Christmas tournament game I'd ever seen and been part of was our championship game. We beat Glenbrook South, who, you know, unbelievable program, great coach, uh, was just, I mean, it was a battle of the Titans for one night and the place was jam packed. I mean, the, the wheeling atmosphere is, is great. We love going there every year for, for the tournament. And obviously we, we won the tournament a, a lot during the 2010 to 2020 area era. And, it's just kind of became a tradition that championship games usually starts at nine o'clock at night. The gym is packed. And, you know, we had uh, that team with sales, D'Amico and, and Lesman. It's just the, the dunks that were happening, the high level shots, the the back and forth, the defensive game plans, the, the scouting that went into that one. That that was just that was the ultimate chess match and uh, a game I'll never forget. Uh, it came right down to the wire. Uh, we ended up getting them uh, late, but uh, uh, on a. You know, pretty awesome fast break alley dunk. I just I, I see that in my head all the time, and uh, just a really special special night uh, over the holidays. All right, so you just mentioned your team's best single performance you saw. What about an opponent? I'm going to tweak this one a little bit. An opponent's best performance by an opponent you ever you ever saw. Uh, well, I, I'll say that I'm going to bring up a name, and you might remember um, because uh, you don't see well. Uh, a couple of things, you know, when, when I was in high school, um, I, I went to Weber high school and, you know, back then the, the Weber Gordon tech rivalry was, uh, very similar to probably Notre Dame St. Pat's type of rivalry uh, uh, of today. And, you know, my guy was Tommy Kleinschmidt, uh, watching Tommy, uh, just dominate games, uh, was unbelievable. Even, even as a Weber guy, uh, as a kid growing up, you know, Tommy had some of the best shooting performance I had ever seen. We all wanted to be like Tom, um, when we were practicing and shooting, uh, just un- unbelievable. I mean, I-, I think he set the bar for me in terms of, uh, you know, big game, big atmosphere player. I mean, I, I couldn't get enough of going to Friday night games uh, at Weber to-, to see all of the different guys. And, you know, one of my, the best guys I had ever seen at-, at Weber High School is a guard named Javon Hobbs, who played at UIC. And Javon at Weber, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many big – Big game, big shots. This this kid hit. I was a freshman. He was a senior, and he just every 
game we won the Catholic League championship, he he would just hit shot after shot after shot. And we all wanted to be like Javon Hobbs at, at Weber High School. Um, and Javon beat Leo on the last second shot at Weber's gym, which was just one of the best memories I'll ever have as a as a, a freshman in high school. So all right. So you've you've played in, and coached in some amazing old, new, et cetera, gym. So I actually tweaked it and I wanted to ask you this question because as a as a basketball historian, I thought you'd have some fun with this one. Your favorite, so not Notre Dame currently, but your favorite high school gym to be in, to be around, just that has an overall great atmosphere, et cetera. Yeah, man, that's that's a great question. Um, you know, I I referenced Weber High School as Jim. If you ever had a chance, uh, you guys ever through Weber High School back in the day at all? So I have been in Weber High School since it closed. I was yeah. Never, yeah, I was never in it in current. Yeah, well, it was uh, it was just such a great loud gym, and you know, we had unbelievable student sections back then. That's kind of where I developed my love for for being part of uh, student sections and developing them as, as coaches as well. But, you know, the, the hardwood on Lockwood is probably the, the, the best gym. And I, I've been there a few times since the school closed as well. I just uh, the the ghosts, uh, I, I, I can I can hear them uh, in, in that gym anytime in there. Uh, certainly, you know, Gordon Tech's old gym with the scoreboard. I mean, that that that's that's a classic. You know, I had four great years as a head coach at Gordon Tech. A lot of great wins, a lot of great memories in that gym. Um, you know, that's, I think you kind of get that old school feel a little bit in there. Um, you know, I think any, any gym that is not your traditional, uh, bleachers on two sides going up. I mean, that, that's, you know, everywhere we go in the suburbs now, it seems to be the, the type of gyms that you see there, but, you know, like Leo high school's gym, my guys at Leo, like that, that's an experience. If you haven't played at Leo, man, try and get over there and watch a game that, that their gym just rocks. It's, it's an unbelievable small gym. You're walking upstairs to get upstairs to the gym. You know, there's so much character uh, in, a, in a gym like that as well. Um, so those would probably be the top ones that come to mind. You know, when I when I played too, De La Salle's old gym was rocking. I mean, it just had that feel to it as well. I mean, that, those those were uh, those were some of the loudest uh, places I had ever played in for sure. And and watched. Uh, I was fortunate to watch many, many great games in the old Chicago Catholic League uh, gymnasiums as well. But I, it kind of always brings me back to uh, I, I think a lot of the Chicago Catholic League gyms would probably be my favorite ones, guys. All right, last one. Favorite thing about Illinois high school basketball? Favorite thing about Illinois basketball, I, I'll double back down on, um, I think, the quality of our coaches. I, I think, um, you know, I, I know coaching has, has not been easy, but – you know, I, I think uh, it, it's high level, man. It, it's a great part of being a high school coach in the East Suburban Catholic or Chicago Catholic League. I, I can speak to is just, you know, the, the level of coaching, the level of preparation that needs to go into every single uh, game is is uh, what makes you better as a coach. I mean, iron sharpens iron. I think that that can be uh, very easily said with the, the level of coaching we have at the college levels and all of our staffs. Um, our high school, both men's and women's, uh, boys and girls across the state. I, I, I put Illinois up against anybody, and I think uh, our, our student athletes are very lucky to have uh, the high level of coaching that you have. And you know, Chicago basketball. You know, I'm born and bred here in Chicago. You know, CPS, Chicago Catholic League, suburban ball. I mean, it's it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's a great time of the year now. I hope people get can get out and watch as many games as they can and kind of support high school hoops, support your coaches 
uh, in, in the area for sure. And, uh, you know, the, the rivalries, the pageantry of it all, man, it's, uh, in the hit the history of Chicago basketball is, is second to none. So uh, very fortunate to, to have a lot of great relationships with coaches across the state here. And um, been very fortunate to coach many, many great players and give them that type of Chicagoland basketball experience that, uh, that I love. Well, for all of our listeners, if you, if you didn't like Illinois high school basketball before this, I think after the passion has now fallen out of, of coach Boyle I think you you're now a little juiced up I'm a little juiced up so uh coach this was a lot of fun thank you so much for agreeing to be on and uh we look forward to working with you down the line as well I appreciate it guys man thanks for the opportunity this was a great way to start the day and always always enjoy talking hoops and wish you guys the best with your programs as well you guys are doing an awesome job and I'm very fortunate I found your podcast I've been going through them all and uh I learned a ton every every time I listen in, and it's been great to to network uh, you know with a couple of people I've heard on your podcast. And uh, I'm here if you guys ever need anything. Thank you for listening to another episode of the After the Timeout podcast in concert with the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association. Please remember to give us a five star rating wherever you may listen. For more show content and upcoming episodes, follow us on Twitter at After the Timeout and subscribe to our podcast for upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening.